Hey everybody and welcome to an all new episode of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, interviews, all the good stuff. I'm joined by Jenny, right across the table from me. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hi. Hi again, Megan. How has your AEW week been? Um, full and <laughs> beachy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well not so much beachy this week, but uh, but uh, pretty... Uh, it was beachy. Pretty, pretty boaty. We briefly went back to the beach for dark. I guess I guess dark was at the beach. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, and, and, and the boat was on a beach. It was. We couldn't see it, but... Yeah. Right. We'll get to that. I have some thoughts about the logistics of uh, this uh, this cruise show, but uh, nothing that could be sorted out by next year, unfortunately, because they already announced a February, uh, a February date. But anyway, uh, before we get into any of that, let's start this week with the same thing we start every week with. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. This week, uh, Andy and I are enjoying a bottle of Chan- Domaine Chandon Rosé. Good pop. We've had this bottle plenty of times before, so no little tidbits. Megan, what do you have over in Cincinnati? I have a beer this time. Oh, Yes, the Rheingeist Press Tart, which is a apparently a Berliner-style Weiss fruit beer. And I could read the back of the can for you, but that's about as deep as I can get with my analysis. But basically, it's like a uh, a fruit beer. Oh, fruit beer. Yeah. Megan, did you want to open your bottle? I mean, I can. My can? Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me crack it. Oh. There we go. That sounded nice and refreshing. Very fresh, yeah. Well, cheers to the week. Let's get right into the festivities with the January 20th edition of Being the Elite entitled Marty. Any uh, any general thoughts on this episode before we dive into the recap? It's disappointing to hear it called Marty. I suspected Jeanette would be involved. That's because you knew who Jeanette was. Jenny was completely blindsided. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that's true. It's like I knew, I had known for weeks that Marty had uh, signed with Ring of Honor, and yet it's still, I still got cope that we'd at least see him on BTE for a little bit. It's not like he can't show up. Still stung, huh? Still stung. So we start this episode off uh, with the boys, the elite, the real elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, sitting in their locker room. And we open up with uh, a mega shout out pretty quickly. Yeah. As they're talking about legal and, and making contract deals. And and Kenny is paying a call to a big free agent about an offer. They want to sign this guy to an EVP spot, $650,000 a year. And we're definitely supposed to think that it's Marty Skrull. That felt low, that dollar amount. I kind of wonder if maybe that was an inside joke and that's that's the deal that he signed for Ring of Honor. You think he only signed $650,000? For 40 dates? You said that it was more money than he was getting offered anywhere else. I said it was more money than Ring of Honor had ever spent on a piece of talent. And that is, that is like, that is main roster WWE money. I thought main roster WWE money was like mill. If you're like Roman Reigns or Randy Orton. Hmm. Regardless. It was not Marty's girl. It was Marty Jannetty. Nick had some good lines during this uh, in the background. I believe he said, about damn time, we're going to pay off some storylines. They still better. Yeah. <laughs> a 
Well, I know that's your big uh, your your big uh, point of contention about this whole thing, Megan. It really is. They've been so good up to this point about paying everything they set up off and making sure, I assume, not to set up anything that can't pay off. So, well, seems like they wrote a check that they couldn't. Wait, they. What's the saying about the check? Their mouths wrote a check that their ass couldn't cash. Yeah. Yeah. After the Bucks leave the the room to you know let Kenny kind of finish up operations there, it's pretty clear that uh, Shawn Michaels has handed the phone at the Genetti household and uh, talks to him about Jesus and things like that. So I don't know. I thought it was because I know all the references. I thought it was a really strong opening bit. I think Jenny felt quite differently. Shawn Michaels into Jesus. Very. Oh. Yeah. Intensely so over the last twenty years or so. Really. Yeah. What? What sparked that? I'm sure he's talked about it. He hit rock bottom. With drug use and addiction. Jesus found him. Jesus found him. Good for him. Megan, your thoughts on this bit? Because it was quite dependent on, like, inside, uh, you know, knowing inside stuff. I don't think I hit all the references, but I knew enough to find it funny and know what was basically what was going on. So I I enjoyed it. So after the credits, uh, the Bucks, you know, find out what's going on, and they're badgering Kenny into firing Marty and... uh, I believe Matt says, should we have hired Eric Bischoff too? We are in Miami with Matt and Nick. Uh, They talk about the TNT renewal. They are changing with Kenny in the locker room and Hangman comes in and pulls Kenny aside. He's upset that Kenny is changing with the Bucks and Kenny, Kenny agrees that this is too far because they're, they're, you know, getting ready to have a four way match against the Bucks. We missed all of the great Nespresso talk. So Matt's always been real into coffee Nick started getting into coffee now that he has a business job. He has to get up earlier. And Matt tells us that for Christmas, he bought himself an espresso machine for the EVP locker room. The EVP locker room, just just a bathroom. And uh, with an espresso machine in it. With an espresso machine in it. So Matt is making Kenny his own little espresso when Adam comes in. And Matt gives him a to-go cup and then tries to drink it from the spout on the floor of the bathroom, which is, one, disgusting, and two, Nespresso is hot. And he expresses that. Yes. I had the same thought as Jenny as far as I thought it was funny. And it was really, um, it was good that their executive locker room was basically the public bathroom that they had blocked (laughs) off. (laughs) <laughs> and also, I thought it was super disgusting when Matt got on the ground to try and catch super hot coffee in his mouth. So, Kenny, uh, we cut back to Kenny and talking on the phone, trying to fire Marty Gennetti, but he is uh, still on the phone with Shawn Michaels talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, one more match and the deceased Adam Cole. Yeah, I like that they're still just referring to Adam Cole as dead. I mean, that's yeah. canon. Yeah. Uh, the Luchasaurus wakes up for a nightmare about Shima giving him the Meteora because he's a dinosaur and he's afraid of meteors. Is that what that bit was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't get that bit either. Yeah. I mean, and then they did a match on Dark. So, you know, it was to promote that and it was the, the meteor joke. Huh. Yeah. Megan, did you get that joke? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know that. It was very dad jokey, but I liked it. Did they say Meteora, or were you just supposed to know what that move was? I don't recall if they said Meteora, but I know that his move is called the Meteora. And, I thought they and said Excalibur, it. And Excalibur calls it as such every time he does it. Chris Statlander 
opens the bottle of water for Orange Cassidy, but she gets it all over him. She boops him, and uh, he drinks uh, a little bit of the water. More chemistry there than with John Silver. I can't speak to that, but they are very cute when they interact together. We get an alternate look at uh, Mox driving out the Ford. And then uh, later on, or maybe probably earlier actually in the day, we get Orange Cassidy hitching a ride in it with some, I don't know who it was who was in the car, but I guess whoever the professional driver was who actually drove the thing in. Well, Moxley had to drive it the last, like, No, I just feet. mean whoever whoever got it to the building. Oh, you don't think that Shaw? No, it wasn't, I mean, I, it, it didn't look to be Shad Khan. Sammy and Marco are fighting over Jen Decker. She is totally disgusted by uh, that and both of them and walks off. They don't even notice because they're more caught up in their own, you know, fighting. Uh, Leva Bates slides into her place and shushes both of them. I'm really over Leva Bates. Based on this one gimmick or just... Just she's on every week and sometimes she's on like like this week, she's on multiple segments and it's just it's just kind of exhausting. Well it's not like she has wrestling to do, so that's true. But she's not this isn't her show. She's not part of the show in like I, I know she's part of the show, but she doesn't have to be part of the show. So could we take her out of the show? Maybe they were working with kind of a limited crew. But she's in every week. They're not working with a limited crew every week. Oh, I just mean this week, her multiple segments. It might be because they had a limited amount of people that they could pull from. I'm assuming based on who could go on the cruise or not. I guess that's true. In the final segment, Kenny agrees uh, to guest train at the Performance Center. And he finally gets Marty Jannetty back on the phone after four and a half hours talking with Shawn Michaels. And uh, he ends up giving Marty a secret million dollar deal. Can't tell anyone about it, though. Can't tell anyone about it. That's what makes it a secret. Wonder who's going to write that check? Uh, <clears throat> Kenny Omega. <laughs> I'm sure you have to have more than one person sign off on a check. Yeah. Do you guys remember that Mad Men episode where one of them was in financial trouble and he, like, forged Don's signature because you had to have two signatures on a check? I wonder whose signature is going to get forged. Megas. <laughs> That is the one you don't want to forge. She will sue your ass. All right, that takes us to... Well, first, I guess, like, I thought it was a terrible being the elite. Terrible might be strong. I thought it was... I thought it, like, I kind of enjoyed the Marty Jannetty stuff, but I thought I thought everything in the in between was real bad. I enjoyed the Nespresso stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, aside from that stuff, it, it really did feel a lot like filler. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us to AEW Dark for January 21st, 2020. Megan, how psyched were you when you loaded this up and it was 30 minutes? Pretty psyched. Pretty psyched. I feel That's bad. all it takes, huh? Yeah, I feel really bad because I, I enjoy the show and I should be sad to miss out on some stuff. But I was like, man, I can knock this out real quick. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, we open up with Big Swole versus Diamante. And this is Diamante making her first... Uh, appearance in the All Elite Wrestling promotion. And uh, Big Swole, of course, uh, gets the win because she's not making her debut and maybe they're starting to push her a little bit. But uh, I thought this was okay. Excalibur said that they've wrestled quite a bit together, so it was kind of nice for Diamante if this was a tryout to get to work with someone that she's familiar with mm-hmm. and had like chemistry with. Yeah, I thought it was an okay match. Um, and it's is Diamante in the process of being signed or 
is this, as Jenny said, a tryout to see what they'll do with her? I think it was a tryout to see what they'll do with her. Um, I don't know that uh, she, I haven't seen that uh, Diamante is all elite graphic Mm. pop up anywhere on social media yet. So that's what you know. We think that she's connected with the Proud and Powerful because her shorts had LAX, which was their name in Impact. So we're thinking maybe she was part of their group in Impact. So um, maybe... Yeah, I can confirm that. We can confirm that. Yeah. And she's Puerto Rican, too. Yeah. Time to get some ladies in the inner circle. I would be... I feel like it'd be a really weird dynamic. It definitely would, especially after seeing how they interacted with Leva Bates. <laughs> and uh, Jen Decker. Yeah, I mean, Sammy would have to maybe slow his role a little bit. but Is she with any of them? I, is she with either of them? Diamante? Yeah, in real life. Uh, she is, uh, she's a lesbian. And she's uh, dating uh, an Impact wrestler. Oh. Yeah. What impact wrestler? Kira Hogan. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That'd be nice to get some more representation on the roster. Sure, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, she's good. Bring a girlfriend too. Well, her girlfriend's an impact. Well, yeah, but if she's also an impact, they can both come over. But she's but Diamante's not an impact. Oh. She left impact. Oh. Yeah. She's just a free agent? Yeah. My understanding is that she is uh, working for uh, Wow Women of Wrestling, which is a promotion that airs on Access. Hmm. Yeah. Her wow. name there is Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She sounds like an American gladiator. Mm-hmm. Wow is kind of like a sequel to Glow. It sounds like it. Yeah. Is it hyper-sexualized? I don't know if it is or not. I haven't really seen it. I've just seen like the names of some of the wrestlers. Uh, and in the main event of Dark, we had a six-man tag team match. Uh, we kind of uh, teased it in the Being the Elite preview, but it was Jurassic Express versus the Stronghearts. And Jurassic Express get the win. I believe Jungle Boy got a pin, which is good because, uh, you know, they're trying to they're trying to get him up and running. I think that's his second pin. It is, both in six-man tag matches. Mm-hmm. Second win as well. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you're going to cover this later or not, but is did we not get the um, Joey Janela-Ray Phoenix match? Is that why we only had a 30-minute show this week? So that match might be on next week's Dark, because if you if you recall, they taped about six matches, and they were just going to kind of split them up for the two weeks. But they also taped a match with Ray and Joey on the boat, and then they uploaded that match to YouTube by itself before Dynamite on Wednesday. And I haven't watched that, but that is out there too. And I don't really know why they did that, but there is there is a standalone Joey Janela Ray Phoenix match from the Jericho Cruise that is on AEW's YouTube page. And before the dark, do you think it's good? Do you think the one that they taped for dark got cut? I don't know. The reason I ask is because they were getting real clever with the Chirons again this week, but the one for Joey Janela just says the results of the match. One of those matches. What did it say? Do you want it spoiled? Well, I mean, 
I'm assuming that it's related to the one that they released, so it wouldn't be really be a spoiler. Well, I didn't know if you wanted to watch it, but it said coming off biggest AEW win versus Ray Phoenix, uh, okay. and in parentheses Miami. Oh, that's so, so weird. So that would mean dark. I guess, I, or unless. Are you sure in... it's not the dark Miami match that they uploaded, and not the cruise match? Well, let's. You know what? Why don't we just take a look right now? Sorry, I wrote that down specifically because when I read that, I was like, "Did I miss something? Did they just spoil that for me?" I think they they may have messed up on like. It wouldn't be the first time. It should have been on dark, and they like missed putting it on dark. Okay, here's the All Elite Wrestling YouTube page. Yeah, Rock and Rager bonus match: Joey Janela versus Ray Phoenix and. Oh, you know what? No, this is this is just the Bash of the Beach match. That's interesting. I wonder why they did it that way. I think they messed up. So they cut it out of this week's dark, and will potentially put it on next week's dark. I would guess not, if they because because they released it as a standalone. So I, I think that match is just it happened, and it's you know it happened. That's huh. weird. And why would they put that on the Chiron? Well, because chronologically, it, I mean, it happened and they released it. And it was relevant information. Uh, yeah. yeah. I but wish they would have put that on. Talk about it. Yeah, I wish they would have put it on dark. Yeah, interesting. Well, I I don't know that we're ever going to watch that match. So. AEW, like, we can only absorb so much content. You can't give us four different m- modes of content. Like, we're already watching YouTube. For being elite and dark, we're already watching TNT for Dynamite. You can't like throw a fourth or a fifth outlet to us. Put it on one of the three existing ones. We have jobs. Here, here. Well, uh, that was—I mean—that was dark because they forgot to put a match on <laughs> on it. If if that's truly what it is, that's I, I wonder if a it was, bigger fuck up than last week of missing a pin. No, I wonder if it was more of a. I, I do wonder if it was maybe a strategy to release one match like a couple hours before Dynamite starts to kind of remind people that Dynamite is you know coming up tonight. But they have dark the day before Dynamite to remind people that Dynamite is coming up. Absolutely, they do. But like, but perhaps the idea was just like, oh, we'll, we'll put something out like really cl- close to Dynamite's beginning it's a shame yeah. i guess for for us <laughs> yeah i feel like that match is just lost now because I'm, i don't think i'm gonna make the time to go and watch it at this point it's truly a dark match it's truly a dark match oh gosh <laughs> and i like i i spend hours every week looking at all their fucking social media shit on instagram which you can find us and all of our wonderful social media at the elite beat pod on Instagram. They didn't have any of that up about the Joey Janela and Ray Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They could have posted something about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Speaking of posts, we've got a pretty fun one this week in, uh, in honor of our favorite champagne. Yeah. Y'all like that Dolly Parton challenge. So we got one of those. So go check it out, like it and follow us. Megan, would you care to begin our Dynamite recap? Uh, sure, I can do that. This week, 
we are continuing our bash at the beach by leaving the beach and getting on the Jericho cruise. And when this is happening, they said that they are in Nassau, Bahamas, on a Norwegian cruise ship called the Pearl. The big tragedy of this is that they were not actually on international waters. Yeah, because they were docked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me of like a smaller version of that scene in Crazy Rich Asians where they go out in international waters and party. (laughs) Bob Collins bachelor party. Yes. I... I think that the pool deck's a little sad for a cruise ship. Because I think while we were watching TNT, there was an actual cruise ship commercial for one of those new, like, Royal Caribbean cruises. It looks like they built a city on a boat, and there's a whole amusement park on it. And then Jericho's cruise ship just has one small pool and one hot tub. Jericho's not made of money. <laughs> I mean, there was at one point, I believe during the main event, another cruise ship pulled up next to them and it towered over It towered. Everything. And then those delusional people screamed at them and said that, like, fuck your boat and, like, our, your boat sucks, our boat's better. Like, I don't know if that was true. No, it was not true. I think that there was probably more to the pool deck than we saw because of the set covering everything up. Well, but I'm sure that the set's there the whole time. Like, they're not removing that ring. No, but I'm saying, like, when it's used for other cruises, I'm sure that... Oh, yeah. But I I would feel really put out, because... Wrestling fans don't like water. What? Yeah. It's true. (laughs) What? You've never been to a live wrestling show. It's evident. (laughs) Isn't that right, Megan? I mean, I don't want to make sweeping statements, but... You come to me with that factoid, I would believe it. Before we start into this, because I, 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 I'm going to forget it if I don't say it, but the most amazing story about this show, to me, is that Tony Khan arranged for the master tape to be duplicated and flown out on two separate planes to Atlanta in case one of the planes didn't get there. Yeah, last week I said they were going to speedboat it. They flew it in a plane. Two planes. Two planes. Yeah. I love it. I love the gravitas it's given. Yeah. That feels like some, like, James Bond type It shit. really does. It really does. Like, I hope it was in a briefcase. Mm-hmm. With, like, a handcuff on it that you're going down with that tape. Yeah. Yeah. Megan would probably have some different thoughts on handcuffing a briefcase to someone. Well, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. So how cool did this show look? Uh, I thought it looked cool. I I did wonder briefly if any of the wrestlers got seasick trying to do their wrestling on a on a moving ship. It wasn't moving, it was docked. Still, you got the sway of yeah. the sea. It was pretty windy that night. Yeah. We'll get into it later, but I think Pac almost fell off the top turnbuckle at one point. Yeah. And the oh. pyro was unsafe. Oh yeah, it was so unsafe. The wind was blowing that so hard with this with the smoke steam stuff as well that even like Jericho closed his eyes. I I saw like a quote on Twitter. So I forget who said it, so I can't give proper credit. I think it might have been Joe Gagne, but um, said that the pyro and the wind combination was such that it was turning every wrestler into unwilling Goldbergs. Oh, <laughs> yes. It also seemed like they. I'm assuming because they're in 
like in port, they couldn't shoot the pyro very high, so it all ended up being about head level with everyone, which is kind of dangerous. Yeah, it seemed it. <laughs> yeah, it seemed real dangerous. But I guess everything worked out. Yeah. Anyway, I thought so. I thought the show looked incredible. Um, I thought it was really fun to have a different um, background. Yeah. Uh, I I personally really enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, so here's what I will say, and I was going to say it later, like in the news section, but I'll just might as well get to it now. So after the show, Cody came out and said that next year we're going to do it live, which a is risky. And B is like a little bit disappointing to me. And I'll tell you why, because they announced that the cruise next year is going to be in February, which means it's still going to be dark early. I think it would be so cool if they could do this in the summer and you get like the sunset effect during mm, the show. That'd be cool. But you also hate that in WrestleMania when they do WrestleMania. I don't hate it. I thought it was ridiculous when The Undertaker was making his spooky entrance under the full light of day. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I believe Bray Wyatt had a spooky entrance that suffered the same goofiness at one Yeah, point I think it was too. the same match, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Did he have, like, a scarecrow that, was, that came to life and was supposed to be real scary? Yeah, it would have <laughs> been really effective in the dark, but in the mm-hmm. harsh light of the sun, it just looks stupid. Yeah. Did, did you guys notice that even though it wasn't live and it was pre-taped, that it still said live up on the top left-hand corner? Yes. Of so the screen? our friend Jason, uh, like he noticed this and and was uh, I don't know if he was outraged by it, but he um, he was curious about it, so he went back and he found that they turned that off about halfway through the show. I I noticed that they, it wasn't there at the end, yeah. but it was at the beginning, so I wasn't exactly sure when when they had realized their mistake. I don't think it was a mistake. It was a lie. Yeah. This company lies to us, people, <laughs> just like Cody lies. I mean, Cody was probably the one responsible for it, Jenny. He just... Probably. He just had to hit that, that button for that graphic. <laughs> I I loved it. The, the thing that I wish we would have gotten, and I think it was a huge missed opportunity, and I hope they do it next year, is like, where was the scenery? Where were our little island hop adventures? Where was Jen Decker interviewing someone while they were playing out on the beach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't get any of that. None of that. Yeah. It was everything was contained to the boat. I didn't like that. Yeah, I think the closest we got was a later on there was like a what what I guess would qualify as a backstage interview that was out on one of the ship decks. Yeah, but yeah. you didn't get to see anything. No. No. I still thought it was it looked really cool and different though. No, it definitely did. I just think they could have done more. Yeah. Uh, I think TK could have sprung for some drones to get, like, a high yeah. overhead footage. You know? Like, that that seems like something that could be yeah. sort of um, not cost prohibitive to do, you know? No, drones are pretty cheap, right? Yeah. Like, when we were in Greece, everyone and their cousin had a drone out taking pictures of the sunset mm-hmm. we could barely see that that's not true we had a great view from our house that we had rented but there were drones everywhere mm-hmm. yeah and i'm just saying every once in a while get a cool overhead shot of the ring like see the boat on water <laughs> and, yeah. and get that 
kind of view? Because I, I think it would have helped to show, maybe to assuage your concerns, Jenny, that this boat is just a little rinky-dink tugboat. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're taking around the ocean here. Yeah, if you're going to be a WCW tribute promotion, you have to spend stupid money on stupid things sometimes. Well, they already spent $45,000 on a fucking ring. You can't spend $1,000 on a drone. That was that was where all the... <laughs> I know, ring, that was the drone, drone money. Yeah. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. What are you going to do? Matt Hardy's not here yet, so they can't use his drones. <laughs> oh, that's true. He would have totally lent them. Yeah. He would have. He would Vanguard 1. Like that's, that's what I think the show is missing. Drones? <laughs> In general. <laughs> yeah. In general, all the time, drones are missing from the show. <laughs> Just flying through the arena. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this first uh, match here. <laughs> okay. We're opening the evening with the the AEW World Tag Team Championship match between Adam Page and Kenny Omega and SCU. And I'm sure you both caught Adam's Chiron because they've been so good these last couple weeks. But this week, it's was hoping this would be a booze cruise. <laughs> I actually but didn't catch that. It is a booze cruise. It's free booze. That's what I thought, and I was like, isn't it? Well, I mean, I wouldn't consider it a booze cruise if I had to drink six ninety nine sparkling wine. I Okay, so it's not <laughs> your type of booze cruise, but there's booze res- readily available, and it, he could drink it. So, he did. He did drink it, yeah. And he drank it after he and Kenny won. And he, in fact, got the pin on Kazarian after he did a buckshot lariat, so... We've got new tag team champions. Fuck yeah, we do. Who called that? Andy called this. It's true. I wasn't going to deny it. I'm going to gloat more later. Okay. (laughs) Well, we have stuff to look forward to, Jenny. Oh, great. Well, Andy, you can have a bottle of champagne at Revolution when your entire storyline comes to fruition. Oh, thank you. So this match ruled. Yeah. It was like two commercial breaks long, too, so they really went for it. They never have a commercial break during the first match. This is the first time they've had a, like, a commercial break during the first match, and they had two of them. The second time they had a commercial break during the first match. They didn't have a, they had a commercial break match um, to open up the January 1st edition as well. And I think that was because they were, they were up against that uh, taped award show or whatever. So I just figured, like, oh, okay, they did it that one time. Because they weren't up against real competition. I was surprised when they did this one, though. But this was, like, pretty much the entire first half hour of the show. Yeah, and with good reason. It's a title match, and the titles changed hands. So it's kind of a big deal. This is really good. Um, Kenny and Adam are a great tag team. They're really good even playing up, like, dissension and stuff like that. Uh, The finish ruled. Hangman hit a buckshot lariat um, onto the ramp. On Scorpio Sky, so he went from inside the ring to outside, and then he turned around and did it again on Kazarian in the middle of the ring. So they even made sure to protect Scorpio, so he didn't. He's not the one who ate the pin. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. So this is the first title change in the history of all elite wrestling. It's pretty big. Yeah. Possibly the only time a major title has ever changed hands on a boat, too. I don't know. You don't know what WCW was doing back in the day. I mean, I do know WCW is doing back in the day. <laughs> I think to counter this, 
NXT should go on below deck and do it I on mean, a yacht. It's an NBC property. Yeah. So, you know, they could. They could. Yeah. They could totally do this and, like, do it up in style. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to point out that at one part of this match, Hangman was not the the official person in the match. Kenny was. But he ran in to pull Kenny over to his corner so that he could make a tag. And at this point in time, JR deemed that good teamwork rather than any sort of emotional cheating. <laughs> it's because they're men. Oh. I know. Oh, God, you're right, Megan. <laughs> yeah. He understood fully the psychology behind that move. But not the emotional tag made by two women cheating what in the last dipshit. match. You can understand the psychology of a man, Megan. It's it's a woman that's a total mystery. They're so emotional. How could they have a rational thought? Mm. Yep, our brains are a rat's nest of just despair and emotion 24-7. I don't know how we survive. God bless you all. <laughs> it is a daily struggle. Adam also accidentally kicked Kenny during the match as well. I feel like this has happened in every single match. Someone's actually Adams always kicked Kenny and then Adam. Didn't he, hit, Kenny. didn't he hit him with the buckshot too? Yeah. Or was that last week? No, he, he hit him. He hit him this week too. Like Scorpio dodged like right at the end and he got him with the buckshot. Yeah. And Scorpio hit the TKO. And I thought that was the, I thought that was the end after the match guys, the young bucks run out. Because they are so happy that their fellow elite members won. And this visibly frustrates Adam. Like when Matt is trying to congratulate him while the ref is raising his hand, Adam kind of is like shooing him away. And then he, after they've been presented with the titles, just retreats into the corner of the crowd where he is handed multiple beers and then just decides... To crowd surf away. It's <laughs> one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. But Kenny was very happy to celebrate with the Bucks. He was, because they're still friends. And when Kenny saw what Adam did and how he was being carried off by the crowd, he looked concerned. Like I think he knows something's up with his buddy and there's not much he can do about it. But he was watching. This is a Matt issue. Matt is not nice to Adam. There's tension there. And Matt needs to come around and then then they can get Adam back. This is all on Matt. What do you mean? It's Matt who Adam has the biggest issue with. And it's because Matt has weird energy around Adam. You could feel it when Matt gets in the ring. Huh. He never tags in Adam in that one match that they had. And never in that one out of one, out of one opportunity. <laughs> he's always like when he comes 100%. out. 100%. It, it's, it is. It's, it's a Matt issue, not an Adam issue. <clears throat> Matt needs to get his head right so that Adam can get his head right. Hmm. Okay. Matt didn't offer Adam an espresso. Nope. This is one person's take on this complex <laughs> issue with. <laughs> Perhaps more gray area than she is letting on. <laughs> but, I mean, the moral of the story is that the elite are fracturing and um, we don't have any dark. Yep. 
sure. We we don't have any Dark Order promos on this particular episode, but I can only imagine they're happy to see all of this falling apart. I like, uh, I think this is a positive move. You put, you know, the SCU is a fine team, but you put the titles on the bigger stars. You know what? Talk to me when they have a team name. <laughs> yeah, your theory didn't really work out that well. It did not. <laughs> Do you think they'll have a team name next week? Maybe. I hope whoever does their Chirons gets creative and just gives them one. Hang Mega. Ah, I don't know. I've been trying. Jenny Jenny did it. (laughs) Mega Hung. That's pretty good, right? (laughs) I mean, we know Adam is. And uh, Kenny alludes to it as well. I guess only Dave Meltzer knows. Gross. And and, uh, Coda. Coda. Dave Meltzer and Coda. Wow. You, You nailed it. I was trying to think of a play on their names and never did it cross my mind. But I think this should be what they're referred to as for sure. Next up, we've got Priscilla Kelly facing off against Britt Baker. And if you'll remember, Priscilla Kelly is married to little Darby Allen. So we're getting we're getting some family business up in here. She's gorgeous. (laughs) Holy hell. She's, I was... She looks like she belongs with Darby. Like, they match. Yeah, yeah. No, they definitely match, but, like, she's stunning. She's yeah, also she... maybe a cat. What? <laughs> she kept licking her paw. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It's because she's, uh, she's Hell's favorite harlot. I think that means you just, like, lick stuff. Wait, a harlot's a whore, right? Not a cat. Yeah, I wasn't going the cat route. They just, her nickname was Hell's Favorite Harlot. I didn't make that up. They said it. Is that what a horse bath is? When you lick yourself? No. It's a cat bath. Sometimes Andy tells me he's taken a horse bath, and I never quite know what it means. It's just when you, uh, you wash the important parts only. You know. Pits and privates. Did you just make a horrified face? (laughs) No. No. Eh, it is what it is, Jenny. Does your face get included in that? Typically, yes. Okay. I think it's like um, a do like you're not going to wash your hair. Is one of the I guess one of the big things. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's implied that you're not necessarily submerging or in a shower situation. You're just, like, rubbing water and soap, maybe, on those yeah. parts. Oh, oh, yeah. Your torso is not typically getting any attention. Yeah, no, I, I've taken a horse bath then before. <laughs> okay. In, in brown water, Mississippi. Oh. Ugh. Where brown water came out of the shower. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to wash the important parts with this bottle of water I have. There you go. I think that's safe. Nobody wants to take a shower that makes them dirtier. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Britt wins. She uses her classic lockjaw maneuver and makes Priscilla tap. Um, and Britt gets a fun Chiron this week, too. It says, frustration surfacing at inability to win AEW women's title. 
these chirons really tell the, the whole like uh, other story, don't they? It's like a it's the only way that they're combining all of the various media outlets that they have. <laughs> the announcers can't do it. Yeah, at this point, I've, I'll kind of take any help I can get, I guess, because I'm, <laughs> I'm missing things no matter how hard I try to watch their damn programming. <laughs> you need to, like, have them put in the picture-in-picture picture and stuff in the Chirons as well. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, so this was, like, it wasn't a total squash match, but it was short, and it, it was an opportunity for Britt to get a win and show off her skills. Um, and after the match, Tony comes down to the ring to interview Britt and she's just, she's so mean. Um, Tony points out that the ending to the match could be considered questionable because when Britt locked in the, uh, the lock jaw or whatever, um, Priscilla was near the rope and she tried to reach out, but Britt kicked off of it. So she kicked the rope away from her and also rolled more center in the ring and so that allowed her to get the win and tony just points that out and then brick goes on to insult him for a while saying he used to work at starbucks and this is like his big payday and he should just kind of stop trying to think and enjoy the ride and when you kick tony man (laughs) you um cause a riot (laughs) like basically the crowd started chanting things that had to be bleeped out for maybe a solid 10 seconds so i don't know what they were saying but it probably was mean and bad um she said the starbucks line and tony like kind of looked away and mouthed what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like she kept going back to it too she She called him she called him a shitty barista is there any basis to what was she trying to reference something i honestly was confused so Tony, somewhat famously, uh, you know, because he has a, he has a, a very popular podcast, um, and he's talked about it many times. Uh, the you know the University of Georgia uh, commentary work that he does, and the, the the minor league baseball work that he does, they you know they cover you know they pay they're they're good they're good gigs, but they're not full time gigs, and they don't offer health care benefits. So he was also working at Starbucks to to get insurance. This is how fucked up our healthcare system is that a man has to work four jobs to get insurance. Yeah. Although I do hear Starbucks has uh, decent benefits, so that's yeah. glad, he, get glad he get something. Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, so he worked he worked part time at Starbucks to you know to get the insurance. And uh, yeah, that's the whole story. And uh, he once he once the podcast started becoming successful he stopped doing that and now he's got no well he still has four jobs now because he has the football the baseball the the podcast and the the announcing but apparently according to him the contract he signed this year with AEW is the most lucrative announcing contract he's ever signed in his life so good for him yeah yeah now he only has four jobs because he wants to do all of them (laughs) because he's true yeah okay well that clears things up at least yeah yeah but not everyone's a doctor <laughs> well the crowd was pissed again they they were all on tony's side which i know that they're supposed to be because brit's a heel but it was to the point where it was like brit was really really getting some heat um and f- for me 
she was continuing on kind of this diatribe as we went to commercial. So I don't know if anything happened in the picture in picture, but the last I saw it faded to black with her again, mentioning Starbucks and people in the crowd yelling. It didn't go to picture in picture. It just like went full on commercial. I wonder how long she ranted. Cause JR was just kind of like, we're going to cut her off. Like, well, they played it kind of like JR was just like upset that she was attacking his friend. So he was making that call. <laughs> Which I, I, which I liked. So. Yeah. And so I actually I thought this was kind of effective, actually. And this was her turn heel. Her heel turn. Yeah, if there was any ambiguity before, there's not now. Yeah. I she mean, went after Tony. Because she had just like been kind of dabbling in the heel mm-hmm. role. Yeah. In the last few weeks. Because she was a face before. So mm-hmm. but now she's full on heel. Right. Yeah, and she really wasn't saying much besides insulting Tony and I, I believe talking about how pretty and smart she was. So That's true. I like when she said, I'm the hottest girl here, and then the crowd booed, and then she pointed to her torso and said, Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was just in the ring with Priscilla, so it's kinda like, I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, Brit's very pretty and she's very smart, but um, she may have found, like, a character that could actually work for her now, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like the New Day. Yeah. The New Day had to turn heel before people liked them again. Yeah. Or liked them for the first time. Yeah. The next match we have is the six-man between Jurassic Express uh, versus Proud and Powerful along with Chris Jericho. And... Before we see this match, we get a quick recap video just to remind us that Jungle Boy did survive 10 minutes with Chris Jericho, despite what Jericho claimed. Um, Unfortunately, he did not have a victory this time around because Proud and Powerful and Chris Jericho as a team won the match with Jericho pinning Marco Stunt after hitting him with the Judas effect. It was awesome. That was a sad sight. (laughs) It was, like, that whole last sequence was so great with Marco getting all the near falls and then Jericho just laying them out. No, I'm sorry. Jericho taking near falls from Marco's stunt on his own fucking boat. It was great. I loved it. I liked it. You know what kind of people go on a Fozzie cruise? The kind of people who know every word to the song Judas. <laughs> they sure sang that song even when it stopped multiple times. Yeah. Chris Jericho's Chris. Out. Chris Jericho's entrance was one of my favorite entrances in recent memory because this crowd and this crowd carried it. This crowd sang every goddamn word of that song. And like you said, Megan, even when it stopped, they just kept going. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I liked that song and I find it kind of stuck in my head at times after watching the show, but only the section that plays. I, I have no idea what the rest of the words are. This made me like the song more just seeing these people get so into it. Yeah. And Jericho loved it. He definitely took the time to put his hand up to his ear and just highlight the fact that clearly he is loved and this is his cruise. This guy. <laughs> this guy's amazing. I mean, he he sold a cruise package so that he could get love and attention. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I think he actually might have made money this year, too. Oh, good. Did he lose money? He lost money the first year. Oh, really? Yeah. But he felt like... Like, how much did he lose? I don't know. But he felt like he'd, like, built the brand, though, and then it allowed the second year to be a success. Did, um, like, did he charge more for the tickets, or did he just 
I mean, I'm sure AEW had to pay a lot of money to do their Dynamite show on the cruise. I don't know. I don't know if they paid like a rights fee or, or what to do. I, I assume they would, they would have. No. I'm not sure. Jericho ain't giving that away for free. You'd hope he'd like give it away for like friends and family price, though. It's his boat. It's his boat. It's his rented boat. That's right. It's his boat for the week. Luchasaurus looked really good in this one. Like we talked about it last week. It seems like he's kind of fully back. Yeah. He looks like he's like a day after a really good massage. All his joints are loose. Yeah. I was worried about him when he came when they brought him back and he was like just barely moving. Yeah, that yeah. was way too early. Yeah. I'm sure he made that call, but it was probably the wrong one. Yeah. I thought the way that they kind of got him out of the match was weird though, because Jungle Boy had been taken out and and Marco was, you know, so he te- so he sees Jake Hager, you know, like Jake Hager attacks him from behind and he turns around, he hits Jake Hager, then he tags Jungle Boy or he tags Marco like, "You take care of it, Marco. You you handle this one on three. I'm going to go fight with Jake Hager." <laughs> and then they disappeared together and then that left uh, Jericho and, and Marco to do the finishing sequence, which I liked, but I just thought like, well, Luchasaurus, you, you really fucked up there. Yeah, he got distracted by his own personal business, but maybe he also just had faith in Marco. What personal business does he have with Jake Hager? I don't know. They like. I feel like they go head on a lot. But yeah, they faced anything. off before. I think Jenny. It's because they're both like the big guys in their teams. Mm. Yeah. They definitely like stared each other down multiple times. Yeah. yeah, but it's not like Jake has like slammed his arm in a car door. Nope. That seems to have been forgotten about. <coughs> Dustin tried to get revenge on Sammy Guevara for filming it, but <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. Look, Dustin's smart. He knows that uh he know who knows who he's gonna win against if he goes after them. So you don't go after the big guy. Go after the guy who filmed it. He's small. So sometime after this, they announced a match for next week. And the match for next week is Jericho is in another six-man tag with Proud and Powerful. But they're against... Uh, so they announced Jericho and Proud and Powerful versus Darby Allen and Private Party. And it just kind of made me think that are they not going to ever follow up on Jungle Boy getting that near, you know, like surviving the 10 minutes against Jericho? They're just waiting for the pay-per-view. Screw Jericho Moxley, or Jericho and Pac, mm-hmm. or Jericho and Pac. Mm-hmm. Let's do Jericho versus Jungle Boy at the yeah. pay-per-view. It did make me, I, I do wonder if they've just kind of, if they feel like, okay, Jungle Boy got what he's going to get out of that, and maybe we'll come back to it someday, but it's it's time to, to put that to bed for a while. Yeah, I think Jungle Boy's ready for like a full feud. Yeah. Yeah, with Jericho, maybe not. Okay. Especially since... You gotta assume they're not gonna let Jungle Boy win against Jericho ever, at least not until he drops the belt in the future. So, right. what would be the end game? Um, it should be noted for t- keeping track of Tag Gate 2020. Uh, Marco tags in at some point, but Aubrey doesn't see it and makes a show of saying she doesn't see it. And so, he um, had done a splash onto or tease off of Luchasaurus's shoulders and gotten into like pin position. And he could not, in fact, get any count. So we're still doing this. We're still having tag issues. Just throwing it out there. That's true. 
Yeah. There were no, oh, in other Tag Gate 2020, Jared did not complain about the tag ropes this week because there were no tag ropes. There were not. Didn't even notice. That's how little I pay attention to tag ropes. That's on me. Was the ring smaller? Sorry, that's yes. just a, a I thought it was a New Japan size ring. Okay, because that is one thing I did notice. It seemed like they were all a little closer to each other. Yes, I think it was definitely smaller. Next up, we get a quick video package recapping the whole Cody MJF drama that's been going on recently. Um, we get to see him, the, the Cody from last week in his cool Miami Vice suit going through all the stipulations and that that fun stuff and it's interspliced with MJF like laying them out and it comes across very it's like a good edit because they show MJF dramatically saying these stipulations and then they cut to the video of Cody last week uh, less dramatically breaking them all down and making fun of them but as we said before Cody has agreed to all the stipulations so that's coming up what we have on this show is MJF having a match against Joey Janela. And MJF's boy Wardlow is not here. The announcers say that he's doing some intense training to prep for his steel cage match. So he won't be around to help MJF if needed. Um, MJF makes Excalibur kiss his ring on the way out to the actual ring. So he's still doing that. Um, and as we spoke of earlier, Joey's Chiron, when he comes out, is that he's coming off the, his biggest AEW win against Ray Phoenix. So that's a spoiler alert, but it also kind of implies that he's doing well. Um, Jesus is here, guys. <laughs> is he, it the same? Did you think it was the same Jesus as from the last Janela, the Janela Sean Spears match? Yeah, I think they flew that guy out. Okay. And asked him to dresses jesus again and i don't know why because he literally was only there when joey walked out he did he played no part of the match beyond that you don't think that he's just a fan that had already bought a jericho cruise ticket i mean i guess that's also possible but i feel like he got so much recognition from the one show that maybe they comped him a ticket i i would believe that maybe I don't know, that but that cruise sold out a few months ago. Nah. Well, then maybe he is. capacity, not enough life jackets and lifeboats. So MJF wins. He does his double cross move. And it's just like, the whole match is, I don't know. It's like Joey Janela and MJF. It's a lot of posturing from MJF. And, you know, it was a match. Um. Kip and Penelope showed up at some point in there. They they came out to the stage. They're all dressed in their beach gear. And they made out a little just to distract Joey Janela. So that contributed possibly to the win. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anything super of note happened during the match. I feel like it was all kind of for the aftermath that we're here. So if you count the Jake Hager luchasaurus thing this is two distraction finishes in a row and it's too too many it's too much wwe bullshit cut it out yeah i was just hoping that they hadn't let penelope and kip on that boat boat and give them a whole vacation just for this i hope they actually had to work for their supper too they did they wrestled kenny and Riho. oh 
Why didn't we get to see that? I wanted to see that. They set that up on Dark. Why didn't we get to see that on Dark? Maybe we will next week. I don't believe it. Okay. Um, Joey's island braided hair has a pretty funny backstory. Mm -hmm. So uh, Brian Alvarez was explaining this on Wrestling Observer Live um, because he and Dave Meltzer were on the cruise. And when they got off at the Bahamas for, like, you know, their excursion, uh, Brian said basically, like, the whole island is full of workers. And... And he says they're, like, better workers than anybody in the wrestling business, any of the carnies in wrestling. So there's, like, this con where this hair braiding person offers you uh, hair braiding for $4 and says it'll take five minutes and then, like, shows you all these options. And then there's actually only one of the options. That's $4. That's $4. And five minutes. And it's, like, you know, it's an option nobody would ever want. So Brian picks this, like... You know, very elaborate thing. The same thing Joey Janela got. And he said, I knew right off the bat that it wasn't going to be $4 or take five minutes. And he said that he had, uh, he, so he had, he had uh, Dave run back to the boat and, or run to a cash machine and get him 20 bucks. So he goes, so he goes and gets it. And then um, he said it took about 45 minutes and he was charged $130. <gasps> Dave have to go back to the cash machine yes. to get more? Yes. Well, I think Dave got more in, in, the, in the first place. Dave and, knew. Dave's smart. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So so he said he saw Joey and he said he knew exactly what had happened to him. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Joey. And that's really all I have to say about this match. <laughs> um... I mean, I guess there was a, a brief tiny dick chant going on for MJF. I didn't hear that. I'm glad. It like enraged him. It enraged him. And then he took his hands and he he expanded them to show just just how wrong the crowd was. How big his dick us. is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's important. MJF, he got a good promo afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's got that character going, but he did. Um, he got on the mic after... The match and said that to address Cody's basically speech from last week that Cody's right when he says MJF is a chapter in his story, but he's the last chapter. Um, and then Cody's music hits and he is there to respond in person. He's wearing a very snazzy pastel pink suit this week. Um, it's not totally Miami Vice, but he's looking stylish. And as Cody walks up, MJF is sure to remind him that he's not allowed to touch him per their agreement. And so Cody gets in the ring and MJF does that whole I'm not touching you thing where he gets right up in his face while he's taunting him and telling him he's not allowed to touch him. And then he tries to provoke him into hitting him by handing him the mic but dropping it before Cody can take it. And then when Cody bends down to pick it up, MJF kicks it away. So, and then he points to his chin, trying to like say, Hey, go ahead and hit me. Let's do this. Um, but Cody doesn't take the bait. And ultimately, MJF kind of backs out of the ring and onto the ramp as Cody picks up the mic. And Cody agrees. You know, he says, I, I understand. I can't touch you. And at this time, the Bucks walk out unbeknownst to MJF. And when Cody says he can't touch him, 
he he like indicates, but they can. So MJF turns around and gets super kicked right in the face. And then further humiliated when the Bucks grab him and Cody says, let's toss him in the pool. So they do. I think that ultimately this was all that needed to happen for the show to be a success. <laughs> Somebody going <laughs> in the pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I really expected or wanted out of it. Wasn't there another show, like an old, perhaps WCW bash at the beach that we watched that, you, that uh, one of our friends wanted somebody to go in the pool and they just like would not allow it on that show. Yeah, it was uh, kind of what this show was modeled after, which was the like classic spring breakout nitros at Club La Vila in, uh, down in Florida. And uh, the particular one we watched, nobody, nobody uh, got in the water, which was a wasted opportunity. Yeah, after seeing this, I think, huge mistake. You have that pool right there. This was a fun, easy <laughs> kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have gone in the pool. You mean Matt? Like- I don't know, like, Adam and Kenny should have celebrated in the pool, or, I don't know. Well, they had work to do. I mean, specifically, they had this interview that's in the next segment they had to do, so they couldn't they couldn't get, like, pool, poolified just yet. Um, Tony interviews them after this match in a total separate part of the boat. I believe we can actually see the sky behind them, so we're in a upper area, a little fancier. Uh, Adam has a beer in his hand. Kenny adorably has a cup of tea. (laughs) You can see the little tea bag thing. Um, So that's where they're both at. (laughs) Kenny says he couldn't be happier to be a tag team champion, let alone with one of his best friends. And Adam kind of just says he told SCU that he would kick both their asses, and he did. So again come from this kind of from different places uh, well, and this <laughs> Tony barely let Adam talk and Tony directed his question in Adam's defense like Tony was trying to rile him up T- Tony directed the question to Kenny first and then when Adam tried to talk he cut him off and then asked another question to Kenny again That's he, true. this was deliberate because like Adam started to answer and like he said the thing that Megan said about you know taking out he said he was going to take out both of them he did and then Tony cut him off and then asked asked Kenny about Pac. Yeah. Now, I would argue that Tony was using his um, his good interviewer experience and seeing that Adam was about to go down a weird tangent that maybe wasn't going to make him look great. And no, cut Adam, Adam could have been gracious then. Could he have? Could have. Could have been. I mean, we'll never know, because as you said, Tony cuts him off, and that that's totally fair. I just got the impression Tony was like, I understand that this could be a shit show. So, Kenny, what up with you and Pac? What is up with him and Pac? Well, Pac wants his rubber match, but Kenny says that, you know, he'll deal with Pac as needed. But for now, the tag team titles will always be his priority. Now, which... he did say that management had, like, agreed to make that match though yeah but he didn't really give like a a specific date it's kind of just in the future yeah we don't know when yeah so at this point the bucks appear and they want to continue continue congratulating them since they didn't really get it not them kenny okay we go immediately to kenny especially matt 
That gives off weird energy by Adam. <laughs> okay. Okay, so they uh, they come there specifically to congratulate Kenny. <laughs> um, and you can tell, by the way, they, they say, hey, guys, congratulations. <laughs> Only looking at Kenny and walking to Kenny and giving him the hug. Sure, sure. Sure, uh, they say guys. They do. And so I, I'm going to say from Jenny's point of view, what happens next is totally justified. But basically, Adam makes it kind of awkward because he says he looks at the Bucks and he says, I'm surprised we won this before you guys and kind of holds up the title. So, you know, not like the nicest thing to say. And then he pieces out. So this is this is the second part where I'm going to gloat, though, because clearly everything I laid out last week is coming to pass. Yeah. Now, do we owe you champagne for that? <laughs> uh, you know, we'll just we'll have a we'll have a, a decent bottle on a uh, on Revolution Night when everybody's together. All right. You're right, though. Everything is coming to pass, and I like the story that they're telling. Now, I the think... only way that they could fuck this up is if they do the Bucks versus Hangman and Omega match before the pay per view, and then do Pack versus Omega at the pay per view. I think that would be a big mistake. I think it would be a big mistake. I I assume they realize that. They're putting a lot into building this up. Yeah, I hope that's the pay-per-view match because that's that's going to be a great that's going to on pay-per-view that's going to be a, like a that could be like a match of the year caliber kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, the elite is oof. They're having some friend troubles. And their boy Adam I would argue it was causing some of the friend troubles, but I know I'm. Apparently, Matt is causing is the one that's really causing <laughs> the friend troubles with his weird energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna blame him. Yeah. Right. God gave with both hands to Adam. Yeah, and right now he's not being very gracious about it. No, he's not. No, you're right. He's not being very gracious. But maybe he would have been if Tony had let him. Maybe. We'll never know. From there, we go to the main event. Speaking of Pack, it's him, and he's he's facing off against John Moxley. And the winner of this match is going to be the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. So Chris Jericho naturally is going to be present for this one. He joins the commentary team, and surprisingly, even half blind, John Moxley gets the win with the paradigm shift on Pac, Pac, whichever pronunciation we're going with. Moxley has a really intense eye patch on this whole time, which looks extremely uncomfortable to wrestle in and is probably super annoying. Double eye patch. So he has one like taped directly to his eye and then like a bandage over it that's coming across the forehead and blocking out most of the vision in the other eye. Yeah, he. I felt so bad for him because multiple times you could see him trying to push up the part that wrapped around his head because it was interfering with his like actual eyesight. Um, but yeah, and I kind of didn't realize how far they'd go with it until the end where Moxley's eye patch gets ripped off and he covers his eye with his hand and the camera is... I don't know if they were purposely trying to avoid showing his face, but I'm just like, oh, well, obviously his eye isn't really injured, so this is going to look silly. But he had on 
a second smaller bandage over his eye. So even when the the part around his head got ripped off, we're still to believe that perhaps he has like actual eyeball damage. Yeah, where'd the fake blood, where was the fake blood supposedly coming from? Like midway through the match, there was blood seeping out through bandage number one. Well, Pac was working on his eye the entire match. That was the whole story of the match. Right, but then there was random blood, but then when they threw off the bandage, there wasn't any blood on his eye or second eye patch or forehead. So the bandage absorbed the blood and then it clotted. I just assumed it came off. I assumed it came off Pack, who might have been legitimately bleeding off of his hand or something. I liked all the like the the kicks to the eye and the eye breaker, and uh, I just I, I really enjoyed the story of this match, which was Pack just being like a, a monster and just repeatedly going after his Moxley's eye. Yeah, smart move, really. I mean, yeah, it almost and- worked. Well, and throughout, while Pac's doing this, Jericho is complimenting his strategy, but also patting himself on the back for setting setting Moxley up for this and uh, basically Jer- giving him what he deserved for how he treated the inner circle. Jericho was very excellent on commentary, putting both of these guys over the whole match. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he's been doing this for 30 years. Season fit. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, some commentators are not... They, they use the entire time to, like, get themselves over instead of... Well, he also got himself over, too. Yeah, get you a man who can do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked when he called Moxley old Blinky. So he was coming <laughs> down to the ring. That was really funny. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it looks like Moxley gets to face Jericho. They did not say for sure, but they pretty much... Uh, they pretty much said it was going to be at uh, Revolution. So... Do you guys think Jericho's going to lose the belt? Because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. About three months between Revolution and Double or Nothing, if it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, Yeah, I could could see Jericho hanging on to it here and then losing it at the end of May. I, yeah. As much as I would love for Moxley to win it, it's just weird to think of Jericho losing it at this point. Things are going so well with him having the belt. I, I think it's... I wouldn't expect him to lose it. I, I was expecting Pac to win so that they could have the Jericho-Moxley match at Double or Nothing. Mm. Kind of push it out a little further. It's been kind of interesting because then you could, he, would, he could have him win the title on the, like, the one-year anniversary of his debut. Mm. Where he, like you know, attack Chris Jericho. Right. I kind of wonder at this point if if Jericho losing the title would actually be detrimental to business, like if it would hurt the ratings. I think it will. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Do <laughs> I, I think it would be, it would affect them, but also I think Jericho could be just as entertaining as like a shitty heel that's, trying to chase after the title he lost and starting to pull some shenanigans, you know? Like, he's currently doing that to keep the title, but he could go full force on somebody else if they took it away from him. Right. I guess I just, I feel like probably 
probably going to keep it this time. But I will see. I mean, I, you know, they're pretty good at like putting doubt in my mind because I, I wasn't like a hundred percent convinced that Cody was losing. Cause they came out with that stipulation at the end of if I lose, I'm never going to. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was part of it. Certainly. Anyway. Um, so dynamite, I thought like, you know, really good opener, good main event. Um, not too much in the middle, but I mean, it was a show on a boat. So how bad could it be really? <laughs> I think that that was like very helpful. And uh... hey, we didn't have any like weird spooky cult action, so none. Nice that none. No, yeah, you're right. No nightmare collective and no uh, dark order at all. Yeah. So if, if nothing else, it, there was no uh, no dip during those times. Yeah. So uh, that takes us to ratings, and let's talk about these ratings. I'm going to go to John Pollock at Post Wrestling. This week's head-to-head battle between All Elite Wrestling and NXT saw AEW present their first taped edition of the show, while NXT was live from Full Sail University. The experiment of taping Dynamite on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Raider at Sea the day before still led to an AEW victory in both viewership and in the key demo. While the results of the show were readily available, it was offset by the fact that AEW had three of its major stars wrestling with Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and John Moxley all competing on the show. It led the way for AEW to average 871,000 viewers and a .35 in the 18-49 demo. The numbers did decline for AEW with viewership down 7% and the demo decreasing by 8% from last week. By contrast, NXT was up 10% with an average of 769,000 viewers and a .24 among adults 18-49, which was 14% ahead of last week's mark. So it's interesting there was exactly the same number of live viewers between the two shows as last week, but AEW was just, so just AEW lost some and and NXT gained some. Do you think that was, uh, so I liked the way the things looked on the boat. Do you think that was someone tuning in and then being like, Oh, what's happening? Like, why is this so small? Or do you think it was because people already knew the results of the matches? I think it's because, Roughly 7% of people uh, knew the results and decided that either they were going to watch it on DVR or just not watch it because they already knew what was happening. And I think that makes sense as a percentage of people who would like care about that enough to like look up the rate of the results beforehand anyway. You know? mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the results beforehand. I didn't either. Megan never knows the results of anything beforehand. And she used to watch NXT that was taped a month at a time. It's true. I don't seek out spoilers, nor do I uh, dabble in wrestling internet culture. Yeah. So, so another win for AEW, and it kind of looks. And they were down a little bit, but I, I think we could probably chalk that up to. Oh, also the other big thing was Wednesday night was the debut of Zion Williamson, who is uh, the big rookie NBA star who hadn't played yet this season because of an, a preseason injury, um, and he led to a huge rating on ESPN at the same time mm-hmm. as uh, NXT and, and uh, AEW were on. So I think that's probably, that probably uh, ate up a little bit of the viewership as well. Because that was just kind of like a big sports cultural event. Damn, those are real sports. Taking up stuff. Indeed, indeed. All right, next up, we got news 
pretty uh pretty slow news week like i mentioned earlier like they announced the jericho cruise is gonna they're gonna it's gonna be in february next year and they are going to do dynamite live which i think is risky i think i think the way they did it this year was just fine no need to tempt fate but uh what do you guys think i think they've got a year to figure out technology and hopefully they do but yeah it um it seems like a lot could go wrong I think it's pretty risky. I get like it must have gone smoothly enough. The taping must have gone smoothly enough this year that they felt like there was no problem in doing it live. I wonder if they will tape it beforehand and have like do a dress rehearsal, basically. No, yeah, essentially do a dress rehearsal. Fly those tapes. Fly those tapes so that if something would go wrong, they just like put those tapes in. Yeah, you could. I, yeah, it's it's not so much. The taping is like the trans or the transmitting that I think is going to go. Right. It's the internet issue. Yeah. Like you can't guarantee how well that will work. And also, I don't, I'm just assuming like weather could factor in, you know, with satellites and such. It seems risky. And uh, the other big news of the week uh, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that. On the on-sale date uh, this past Friday, uh, which was yesterday, um, for the episode of Dynamite at the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey, which is the big, like, because it's their big, like, tri-state debut. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, They sold 10,000 tickets on the first day. Wow. Yeah. So... um, And that's just for a regular Dynamite? That's just an episode of Dynamite, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it's... Like it's the New Jersey, New York City kind of market, so it's a huge, huge market for them. For, yeah, for wrestling in general. Because so. I mean, Boston's the closest they've been to that. Yeah. So far. And Boston sold out. So. Uh, and this is a bigger building, and uh, yeah, so they sold ten thousand day one. I don't know exactly what the capacity of the Prudential Center is, but let me see, Prudential Center capacity. Uh, 19,500 for, uh, basketball. So they'll probably, I don't know they could set it up for like, any, I mean, with 10,000 tickets sold, you could set it up for anything at this point, really. Right. You know, you could cap it here and then just, it would, it would look great on TV with 10,000 people in the building. And, uh, one other news item, Jenny, do you want to get into that? Friend of the pot, Amanda made me a baby Yoda and it's the most adorable thing I've ever seen. And he's keeping us company while we record tonight. Mm-hmm. He's he's eyeing the wine. He wants a little bit, but it's too sticky. He's he's still a baby. He's a little he's a little crochet baby. I mean, he is fifty years old. I think that's legal. Yeah, that's true. Wait, baby Yoda's fifty. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Don't say what again. <laughs> <laughs> How old is Yoda Yoda? 800. He goes slow. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> so you have to do if you're going to live to be 800 years old. I love him. Yeah, he's very adorable. Thank you, Amanda. That's It's, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful little thing you made there for Jenny. Thank you, Amanda. No balls on the ropes update this week, though. Sorry. Yeah. Wait, I had to write something down. Oh, let me see. 
Oh, yeah. MJF pinned Joey Janela with his balls on his face. That's right. And he didn't get off for a while. <laughs> I have a question for you guys about... Uh, there's another line I wrote down here from commentary. I hate to go back to Dynamite, but I just have to. When Jericho was on commentary and Pac was coming down to the ring and, and, and Jericho was calling it, he said, he's got everything, he's the total package... And then he said, no pun intended, Excalibur. Do you think that was a reference to Excalibur's huge hog? Yeah. He's mega hung as well as Kenny and Adam. Okay. Because we know that Excalibur has a gigantic dick. Yes, we do. From that one unfortunate time when they didn't shoot the announcers. They didn't have a table. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was funny. I'm glad that that we weren't the only people that noticed... uh, uh, you know, uh, Excalibur's affliction. That's right. <laughs> did you pick up on that, Megan? Um, I don't think I did, but this, you know, I actually also have tried to block out that one episode commentary shot from my head because it was just so much balls in yeah. one shot. Yeah. God, it was so bad. And they didn't fix that the whole night. Was that like double or nothing? Was that like the first yeah. time? Yeah, okay. And it was just like pivot people like just a few inches up and then we won't see anything. Yeah. So next week on Dynamite, uh, to close us out for the week, we got Private Party and Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, as we mentioned earlier. We've got Kip Sabian versus Cody. And we've got the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade, which is set up by uh, MJF, very mad that he was Mm. thrown into the pool. So he's sending his goons after the Young Bucks. Also, John Moxley speaks, I assume, because they promoted that the winner of the match would speak. Speak, yeah. Address the crowd. Yeah. Address the AEW universe. (laughs) Yes. Give him a podium. He has mm-hmm. things to say. It'll be kind of sad to end the vacation and get back on land, but especially I going to it. Cleveland. Yeah, it's snowing there, so just <laughs> one eighty in weather. Enjoy that. I am actually curious because we've been talking about that so much, and like I've just been like mocking them like repeatedly for making that decision. So I'm just going to look on my weather app and see what what it says for Cleveland for Wednesday. If not nah. snow, it's going to be super cold, I'm assuming. It's not that bad, actually. I wish it was worse. They, they deserve worse. Thir- high of 32, low of 26. That's not too bad. And just cloudy weather. Yeah, you got the lake effect. You got the lake effect. Just wait for it. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's all for us this week. It was... Uh, it was I, I think... I feel like it was kind of a low-yield news week because everyone was contained to the boat. And Dave Meltzer didn't write a Wrestling Observer newsletter this week because he was on the boat. Mm. So that kind of... He managed to do like 25 podcasts though, right? Yeah, he and Brian did a bunch of audio. I think eight in like four days. So good job on them. I listened yeah. to them all. There's a fine episode. There's a fine interview. He did interviews with Justin Roberts, um, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara, all of which I recommend. The Sammy Guevara episode is up for free to download on uh, wrestlingazora.com. So definitely I recommend that. And uh, yeah, but 
Yeah, so it's, uh, when Dave doesn't write an observer, it tends to constrict the flow of wrestling news for the week. Because <laughs> um, there's nothing for uh, copy and paste sites to report. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, and we actually got a shout out on another podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you uh, to former guest Justin Shapiro for uh, mentioning us on Joe Gagne's uh, five-star match game uh, on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. That was a big uh, treat for me to, to listen to and, uh, and hear that. It made me smile. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in further plugs, uh, please uh, check out our Instagram at the Elite Beat Pod. Uh, you know, follow us, like our stuff. That would be a, a big help. All right, and uh, so thanks for listening. For Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. This is the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.